Hello everyone and welcome to this episode in our podcast series of Getting to Better Together, hosted by the Centre for International Development, Social Entrepreneurship and Leadership of the University of the Sunshine Coast, SIDSL, as we are better known. I'd also like to acknowledge and thank Noosa FM 101.3 Radio uh, for the help and chairing in this particular podcast. I'm your host, Richard Borden. Before proceeding further, I wish to acknowledge the Gubby Gubby people as the traditional custodians of this land and pay my respects to their leaders past, present and emerging. Today we're going to do something different. With me here in the studio are two young women who are immigrants from two different countries in the region and we're going to have a conversation about multiculturalism. Our context is to explore how they feel about this theme for this current week, which is Harmony Week, which, it's been formally stated, is a celebration of the cohesion and inclusion in Australia and to promote a tolerant and culturally diverse society. Good morning to you both. Good morning. March 21 has been designated as Harmony Day, which is intended to be a day of celebration about inclusiveness and respect and belonging for all Australians, regardless of cultural or linguistic background, and united by a set of Australian values. Over the years, tens of thousands of Harmony Day events have been held in schools, community groups, churches, and a host of other institutions, that they've become so extensive that Harmony Day actually has morphed now into Harmony Week. On the face of it, all of these celebrations provide positive evidence to support the often stated claim that Australia is one of, if not the most, successful multicultural countries in the world. And that may well be the case, but it's certainly not the same as saying that all Australians feel included or respected, or that as a nation, we are an entirely cohesive and tolerant society. There is significant evidence that we're not there yet. There's always the danger that in celebrating something, we assume that we've already arrived at some ideal state and that nothing further needs to be done. And this is actually counter to the idea and concept of multiculturalism, at least the way we interpret it. So maybe rather than having a week of celebration, we should have a week of reflection. And we could do no worse than to actually start by thinking about what we mean by multiculturalism, and even more basically, perhaps, by culture itself. Do we simply mean the way we dress and speak, our habits, our language, what we eat, our customs, our behaviours? Or is there more to it than that? Well, if we dig below the surface a little bit, cultures are defined by sets of shared values and assumptions, beliefs. So in a multicultural society, different sets of beliefs and values not only exist within the same culture, but importantly and often forgotten is they contribute to it in ever-changing circumstances. So the argument we will present is that cultures are continually evolving, and to do so we need to embrace what other sets of beliefs and assumptions that people bring to us. So it's not just a matter of tolerating differences, but of bringing differences together, as it were, to create something new. And as we say in this series, of getting to something better through working together. So it's fine to celebrate what we've got, but it would be worse than foolish to believe that as a society, there's nothing more that we need to do to ensure that we are indeed a nation that not only does show cohesion and inclusion, 
but is constantly evolving to something better. So this morning, we want to engage in some reflections through listening to others who've come from elsewhere. So let me start by asking each of my two guests what it is that they miss from their own cultures. They'll introduce themselves and tell us where they come from. But the question then is, what is it they most miss from their own cultures by living here? Hello, my name is Roxanne. I am from the Philippines. I came here in 2016. And what I miss the most from my culture is basically the food. Because there are not a lot of um, restaurants that are, there are not a lot of Filipino restaurants, I find. And another one is the public utility um, transportation. Because in the Philippines, it's easy to get um, to anywhere as long as you have the, we have the public utility jeep and the tricycles. But in here, you have to get the bus, which has a definite schedule. So that's one of the things that I miss in the Philippines. They're the material things. What about differences of beliefs and differences in values? Are there any differences? Um, one of the things that I notice is basically in the Philippines, we were taught about how important it is to have close family ties. So the family is the basic unit of society in the Philippines. But when I got here in Australia, um, especially during COVID, it didn't occur to me that um, about the aged care system, that um, when you get to a certain age, uh, you have to, or not necessarily, but most of the retirees go to an aged care home. So that was a shock to me at that time. Let me now turn to my second guest, who's from South Korea. Hello, my name is Jihae. I'm from South Korea. I've lived in Australia nearly seven years. Even though I'm from South Korea, I never really think what the Harmony Day means. It's interesting to me, too. But yeah, I really miss my language. I'm not complaining why Australians speak the English, but many of my Korean friends have a very good education background, like a piano or music or engineering. But most of them start from working like as a cleaner or like a kitchen hand because of the language barrier. So it's very sad to see they can't really contribute to their skill and talent to the Australia because of the language barriers. And then I also miss my food. One day my daughter, she's eight years old, she brought the Korean food to the school for the lunchbox and then it's the you know very delicious and full of the flavor. But her some of her friends just said, Oh it's disgusting and what is that, you know? So she said, Mommy, they jealous me. But next day, she said, Oh, Mommy, can you just pack the sandwich, please? Not the Korean food. She may be hurting herself. So it's very heartbreaking to me. So I decided to not to pack the Korean food for her lunch box, you know. So we really need more understanding to make the better society. I uh, myself, of course, uh, am, am an immigrant, and I came here in the early 1960s from Britain. And one would assume that um, because at that stage a significant proportion of Australians had English heritage, that I would just assume that life in Australia would be the same as it was in Britain. But there were a number of things that, shock may be too powerful a word, but were differences that I noticed that were really cultural habits. Uh, and that was particularly in terms of the way people were incredibly informal. The good day mate was, was much 
contrast to, to what we would say in English. The casualness, not just in the way people treated each other, but the way people almost treated the nation and treated the nature. The notion that she'll be right. There's, there's no sense that there's a driven sort of purpose. So in terms of the material differences, I'm sure that they're pretty obvious to people who come from countries uh, other than England. And the language, obviously, um, for those who don't have English as a first language, is indeed a barrier. But this notion of casualness, of informality, I, I found quite interesting. I'd, I'd be interested to know your, your reactions, the two of you, in terms of that as a major cultural difference. In the Philippines, um, we, we are made influenced by the Americans mm -hmm. as well. And, but at the same time, we also have 300 years of um, influence with the, with the Spaniards. So we were, uh, we were um, basically, we grew up with the notion that we have to be conservative with the way we dress. So that's something that um, is also different from here. So when I got here and I got to see the, the teenagers, they were really very lib liberal with how they, you know, they um, wear their dresses and all that. But we are, I believe, in the Philippines, we are also slowly becoming, you know, as, as, as um, liberal as the way people dress here as well. But we still have that influence of we have to be prudent uh, especially if we go to places like the school, the university, we have uniforms, and our uniforms have to be a certain standard. The length it shouldn't be below the uh, it shouldn't be above the knee rather. So yeah, that's another difference that I find. Both uh, South Korea, or Korea generally, and the Philippines have a history, of course, of, of being invaded. They themselves are perforce multicultural in that every so often there's a wave of people from elsewhere. And so the culture evolves as a result of, of these invasions. And it's certainly true, of course, that there are those who would hold that when the Europeans uh, arrived here in in uh, 1788, that that was equivalent to an invasion. And in a future podcast, we will explore that from an Aboriginal point of view. But I'm interested again here in talking to my two guests this morning in terms of how they think their country has emerged and whether they think their cultures are now affixed. That there is a basic set of assumptions now uh, and, and that's it. And I'd be particularly interested in terms of South Korea um, because it's confronted by a different set of beliefs and assumptions with its next door neighbor, uh, which happens to speak the same language, uh, the same people. So let me ask now, how does that feel? Are there tensions in the South about the North? Yeah, it's a very different country between Australia and Korea. So even though, when, for example, when I speak in Korean with my mom, when someone passing me, I suddenly need to change the language because I worry that they may feel like I'm not a safe person or they may worry what I'm talking about. So I maybe totally have a different character between Australia and Korea. 
and someone or most of the people still ask me, are you from North Korea or South Korea? But the question can be rude or sometimes annoying me, you know. When you ask someone, where are you from or which country you from, that sometimes, you know, like not respecting other people and consider that, assume that they are not same country like me, you know. You never ask to Australia local people that, where are you from? But whenever I go out, people still ask me, oh, where are you from? Which country are you from? That question can be the root or annoying to someone. You need to know that I just want to explain. What was that again? Sorry. You were, you were saying earlier in conversation before we came on air um, about people who, and, and you, of course, would be a case in point, where people say, well, you're a Filipina, uh, even though, in fact, you may well be an Australian. Um, people refer to Indians as Indians rather than even Indian Australians. They're just uh, is that is that inbuilt in us? Do you think that sort of the, the Western mode sees everybody as a foreigner? Um, I believe so. With, I also believe that it has something to do with uh, how you grew up. So, for for example, I grew up with knowing that um, the you know how we we look like like Filipinos look a certain uh, set of features. Mm-hmm. So when you see someone. Um, they would be foreign to you, so you would consider them foreigner. So I think that this the that particular mindset has an effect growing up. And when you see somebody, even if he is basically Australian, but he looks diff- different type of Australian, you get to have that certain built-in label, which I've learned a lot when I got here that I shouldn't be doing that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I want you to add, because now I have Australian residency visa, permanent residency visa but my Australian citizenship ceremony is next month but even though I become like a 60 years or 70 years old no one maybe recognize me I'm Australian maybe people keep asking me where are you from even though I have a citizenship of Australia and my daughter is now eight years old and when once she arrived in Australia she was one year old so she spent seven years in Australia but she feel like, oh, mommy, I'm weird because everyone looks different compared to me, you know. So that question, it was very hard to explain how I approach, you know, how I can answer. So before you ask people, where are you from, you really need to think. That's a very good question. Um, the uh, commentary, one of the comments that's made often by people is, um, uh, and I've worked a lot overseas and in international surroundings, and people often say that Australians are not very reflective. Uh, this notion of, of she'll be right is, is without sort of saying, well, maybe she won't be right. Maybe if we asked ourselves some more profound questions uh, about right. One of the interesting things in terms of our, our visa uh, applications is that there are a set of Australian values uh, that, in essence, people who are applying for um, for citizenship need to know answers to, uh, and one of them is this notion of equality of opportunity for all people, regardless of gender, of sexual orientation, age, disability, race, or national or ethnic origin. Have either of you two faced situations in Australia? where you haven't felt totally inclusive for reasons of lack of those freedoms? I personally have uh, 
had some situations but I also have this notion behind me that maybe it is just me and my my built-in bias is also something that I have to consider and but I do have um, anecdotal um, experiences shared by my um, friend about uh, you know topics like that um, but it's I think it's good to also understand that if if you feel if you feel uh, different or if you feel left out from something you have to also do some reflections first so that you get a like a what do you call this like a balancing check on your own if it's just your ex internal mind doing the you know the, the the thinking and then consider uh, maybe it's just you but if it's not but if it's become very obvious then that's the time that you say yeah I am experiencing it. it's totally um, not right mm. Mm. Yeah, even my husband, I can share because my husband from South Korea too, but he studied in Australia for his master degree. But once he started to get a job after finishing his study, he offered to the office that, oh, I can work three weeks free because people don't trust him because we are different. No one who going to, you know, suggest, oh, you can help me for three weeks free. But he is qualified, you know, he had a background of master degree of accounting, but he need to do that process, you know, before he actually involved Australian society. So this is very, you know, mm. unique experience. Mm. Yeah. This issue of, of recognition of qualification, to me, is, is something that I find very personally disturbing. I have uh, a number of friends European friends who have come to this country with uh, talents, qualified doctors, dentists, engineers, and they find it a bit, how can they say, confronting to then have to take examinations to prove that they are competent. And people who qualify from universities um, that are hundreds of years old, that, ha that have extraordinarily prestigious reputations, people who've then had 10 years working in in those professions to come here and find that their experiences in their university education is not recognized and that they have to do a test. Uh, and I find that insulting, really, to people who come here with that. It's not as, therefore, an expression of the fact it's not just a matter of tolerance. Uh, it's a matter of genuine inclusion and acceptance. And I find that very disappointing. And it goes back to the issue of the, where we really came in, in terms of why don't we have more conversations? Why don't we spend a week reflecting, as I said earlier, rather than just celebrating? That to accept that there is a fair way to go yet, rather than to say, okay, we're there. So let me just ask you both. Do you feel, uh, how can I say, accepted as a total person, not just as someone from, from elsewhere, but in terms of your talents, do you feel that you, you, you're allowed, you've been, been encouraged to, to expand yourself, if you will, to be who you really would like to be? I personally feel that I am not, I'm not in that stage where I feel that I am accepted as a person. And um, because I have also been, I mean, I know I can contribute a lot, but there are instances where um, you can make suggestions, but at the end of the day, the, the suggestions are basically... Um, dismiss whether directly or indirectly but i know that it works 
So a specific example is that uh, I've had experience with my previous work in the Philippines, and I know that those skills are transferable here. Mm -hmm. But um, you only get to to be able to contribute if you are given the chance to contribute. But because you are being uh, dismissed, or it's not even being done, or not even acknowledged, then it's useless. But I know deep inside I can because I am capable of doing it. I've done it in the past. Mm. So yes, there are a lot of situations. And it's difficult for me because I have to wonder if what, what it is. Is it because of because I'm from somewhere? And um, even if you know I've experienced the same thing? So I have that question at the back of my head. But it's also difficult to ask the question because it you're ask it's like you're asking for an argument. Mm. So mm. And I don't want to have an argument, really. No, no, no. It's the, it's the moment you you mention words like like rice, isn't it? That that mm. all sorts of barriers appear. And and I was um, reading the news this morning about what's happening in in Florida, in the United States, um, where it is now. If the law passes, it will be illegal in Florida to essentially say anything bad about the past, which is quite extraordinary. Uh, and so this notion of the critical race theory, which essentially is is stopping, and that theory is is encouraging people to say, where do we come from, and what should we now do better? With emphasis on should as a moral obligation, rather than what we could do better as a oh yes, well we might get round to it sometime. Uh, and I would hate that to happen in in this country. It's it's. The moment, as I say, the moment you, the word race or racism is raised, all sorts of reactions come up because people say, ah, yes, well, A, that's not something I want to talk about, or, or B, you know, it's, it's pretty good here, compared to if you go to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, I've noticed from people who, who travel. So I, I would like to just conclude with you both of saying, is there any one thing that you'd really like to see Australia do in terms of the development of its culture next that would allow you to feel totally included, totally embraced as Australians rather than foreigners? Um, there's one thing that I would like uh, Australians to try out. Um, first is if they are making, um, uh, the intention is all good and it's there and it's something to be commended. The resources, everything is there. But um, to make it from the perspective of an immigrant, for example, in my case. So ask basically questions like, if I were in this position, how would I feel? Would I be able to understand? Would I be able to get it? Will I be able to access what I need to access to transition smoothly? So Because certain um, instructions are like another example is if you're an immigrant, you're given a grant letter and the grant will is, is written in English, but you, your English most immigrants have English as the second language. So put yourself in the place of an immigrant from South Korea, for example. Would I be able to easily get a translator if the instructions in English? And though I know basic English, but really, is it going to be easy for me? So that, I believe, makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. To me, I was thinking of the first day when, when I arrived in Australia because that time I didn't have any information I don't know where to go, how to go. So if Australia make kind of a welcome package to the new arrival from the new country, people can catch the, their talent and skill easily. 
then people can contribute instead of wasting of the time to build a new skill from the scratch. Thank you very much to both of you. This has been a lovely conversation, and I hope that it will give cause for reflection rather than simply just celebration. So from me, Richard Borden, thank you both very much indeed. And a thank you to you all for listening. Goodbye.